Welcome to Conversation Alive and Well with creative people from all walks of life. I'm Jordan Rich, and today on On Mike with Jordan Rich, I am thrilled to welcome Mark Ramsey. He is a media strategist, he's a researcher, he is indeed a trend maker. He also happens to be marvelously creative and has produced and hosted a series of movie-themed podcasts called Inside. There's Inside the Exorcist, Inside Psycho, Inside Jaws, Inside Star Wars, and I've become an uber fan of Mark's work. He's also the author of several radio industry bestsellers, Making Waves, Radio on the Verge, and Fresh Air, Marketing Gurus on Radio. He serves on the board of the Broadcast Film Critics Association, has interviewed the biggest names in marketing and branding in the world, and consults with and delivers projects for numerous media publishing and digital brands. But we're going to focus a bit on his Inside Movie podcast series found on Wondery.com, W-O-N-D-E-R-Y. And just to give you a little taste of what they sound like, here's a selection from the Inside Psycho series about a certain shower scene. You'll hear Mark describe the action and uh, fall into character. Quiet on the set. Ah, a warm, relaxing, soothing shower. Just surrender to it. It washes away the grime of the day. It washes away the sins of the past. At least, that's how it used to work before Psycho. Janet Lee famously said she never took another shower in her life after Psycho. Shooting was scheduled for the week of December 17 to the 23rd. Twas the week before Christmas. The set was ready. Blinding white tiles, brilliant chrome fixtures. The scene was intricately storyboarded, nothing left to chance. The scene was weeks in the making. Hitchcock conference with Janet Lee. Janet, I'd like you to do the scene in the nude. No. Well, how about for the European version? No. Well, that's not quite how Janet Lee remembers it, and no amount of nudity would have passed the censors, so I think Janet is telling the truth when she says it was all suggestion. Suggestion and a whole lot of flesh-toned moleskin fabric glued over both of Janet's breasts and, as she put it, the vital part. Take 10. Cue the shower. Action. The water runs and the fabric peels away. Cut. In rushes the costumer to put Janet's modesty back together again. Take 20. Cue the shower. Action. More water, more peeling, more modesty revealed, more moleskin, more glue. And so it went for seven days. But Hitchcock needed coverage. No pun intended. And for that, he needed a Janet Lee stand-in. Someone whose job was to be naked on set all day. Hitch needed what he called a nudist. That nudist was Marley Renfro, a 23-year-old model and Vegas dancer who, in September of 1960, the month of Psycho's release, would grace the cover of Playboy. Some of the skin in the shower scene is hers. To Janet Lee's great relief... A quick cut from inside Psycho, behind the scenes, behind the shower curtain, if you will. Let's find out more with our guest. It's time to go on mic with Mark Ramsey. 
Mark, what a pleasure. I've been a fan, a recent fan of your work with Wondery and these wonderful movie shows, but I, in reading about you, discovered a whole litany of things I want to talk to you about. So thanks for joining us. Oh, good. Well, I'm happy to be here. Thanks so much for listening. Well, let me start with the movie series because uh, I discovered Inside Psycho because I'm a huge fan of that film. Kind of by accident, I tripped over it and I've been tripping over everything of yours since. Talk a little bit about the origin <laughs> of, if you will, the origin story behind these these projects. And uh, maybe you can share a couple of tidbits you learned, but uh, just how it all came about. Well, you're certainly not a testimonial for the effectiveness of discovery in my case, are you? <laughs> I trip over a lot of things. Ask my wife. Well, I uh, approached the guys at Wondery back in 2017 with this idea. Uh, you know, three years ago, the podcasting space was a little bit different from what it is now. It was a little bit less dense. Um, a few more people trying to figure things out uh, and fewer people knowing what they were going to do. So I had this notion. I thought that there was kind of an under underwhelming volume of kind of uh, compelling storytelling that wasn't of a, of a uh, kind of documentary uh, form. There's tons of documentary stuff in the space. And I think even now there's tons of documentary stuff. And at that point, people were still uh, kind of grappling with what serial meant mm. and trying to mimic it and find other ways of doing it. And I thought, well, that's all good, but that's all very kind of traditional public radio journalistic storytelling. What about something that's more cinematic? And what could be more cinematic than a podcast about <laughs> cinema? So uh, I was interested in this among several other stories um, of uh, kind of the people behind the making of some of the movies we love best. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be great to do a movie about the making of a movie? And that's really how we interpreted it. Anybody who comes to this uh, expecting, you know, uh, interviews with filmmakers, stars, interviews with, there's none of that in this. That's not the intention at all. Recently we did Inside Star Wars. No, we didn't talk to Mark Hamill. No, we didn't talk to George Lucas. That wasn't the point. Uh, the point was to tell a, mm. to make a movie about the making of a movie and the people who made it. So that was really the intention mm -hmm. from the beginning. And so we walked in with that uh, goal. Well, you achieved it. And I'll tell you what I love about it. The fact that Mark Ramsey, our storyteller, becomes characters in each story. It must be so much fun for you to be playing George Lucas and other characters and just narrating through that. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting approach. It's not a um, it's a, there's there's no phony voices. Mm -hmm. There are no uh, imitations. We don't do I don't do Hitchcock. I don't really do Lucas. Um, it's really uh, an intention to kind of emulate the way we tell a story to a child. Mm -hmm. When you read a storybook to a child, you're not imitating all the characters, but you're kind of portraying those characters. And that's what we try to do. And we try to add in some kind of clever audio magic to give voices distance from each other, but still retain this whole notion that this is a story told by one person and representing these various characters. So mm. there were recreations, there were some scene playing and role playing and so on. But in each case, it was clear that, you know, it was all me. The help of a, an amazingly talented sound designer, I must compliment you, and maybe you can give him a cred here, just brilliant use of sound. And you guys obviously not using the original music from these various movies and so forth because of licensing, but coming up with very close facsimiles and sound effects. It's very much a throwback to the golden age of radio, in my estimation. 
Well, yes, Jeff Schmidt is the amazing sound designer mm-hmm. that I've worked with from the very beginning on on this, and he is just uh, beyond compare. And uh, somehow he managed to create shows about uh, films with uh, iconic scores, Psycho, Jaws, Star Wars, and in all cases, <laughs> not use the actual source <laughs> material for the reasons that you indicate. <laughs> And yet it still hangs together and still works. So it's a real credit to him and his ability to kind of capture the essence of these stories without, you know, uh, infringing on anyone's um, uh, proprietary rights along the way. As a producer myself and a writer for for many years, I appreciate the fact that it's done in sort of serial format, uh, many parts. And key to bringing an audience back with you is to keep them on their toes and to give them some reason to look ahead. It, it's it's so old school, and yet it works. Did, talk a little bit about the writing of these projects and how long it takes to do a series of six episodes, let's say, on Psycho. Well, Psycho was the first. Then we did uh, Inside the Exorcist. We did Inside Jaws. And uh, last year we did Inside Star Wars. Each one takes uh, weeks of um, research, mm. uh, primary research, going to books, going to other sources online and elsewhere, doing, in some cases, original interviews. I did an interview for Psycho with um, a, a guy who had been a friend of Tony Perkins, and he was one of the voice inspirations mm. for Norman Bates's mother. And in fact, his voice was used as one of the voices that was that was melded into Norman Bates's mother for the movie. So uh, it's a combination of those things. And uh, that process takes several weeks. Then the writing itself takes several weeks. And then the recording takes several weeks. (laughs) By the time it's done, it's six months. Now, I'm a deep dive guy in in film. I've done a lot of radio and done a lot of uh, special programs all about movies. But some of the stuff you dig up, it's certainly not just the typical Google stuff. In fact, The Exorcist really was the one that got me because you start out with the story of the quote-unquote real experience that Peter Blatty wrote about. That's right. Yeah. In most of these series, but not all of them, we tried to go to the source material to say, what was the inspiration for the film? What was the true life Mm. story that you know, generated the interest in the, uh, to, the, the, the reason to do the film in the first place. In the case of Psycho, that was kind of the notorious story of serial murderer Ed Gein. And Jaws had a couple of inspirations. And in Star Wars, we took a different path. That's the first one we did that really had no such kind of cultural backstory. And instead, we just began with the story of, you know, the creator, George Lucas. Mm. When I'm listening to something like this, I'm swept up in the fact that movie makers really struggle. Uh, uh, Billy Friedkin, and I keep coming back to The Exorcist, the whole arc of Billy Friedkin's life sort of revolves around that film and what happened then and afterwards. So we learn more about the people behind the movies, as you say, and they're the most interesting people as far as I'm concerned. They're even more interesting than some of the characters on the films. Well, that's the way, that's why it's a movie about the people who made the movie rather than a documentary about the mm. movie itself. And I think we made a conscious effort to to create a compelling story about real people. And it just so happens there were real people who made these legendary films. And along the way, they had enormous setbacks and enormous troubles. And it's a miracle, really, that any of these movies ultimately got made. I think one thing they all have in common is that it was by the skin of their teeth that they exist at all. 
So the fact that they're so legendary is is really saying something. Now, you also have occasional bonus interviews. Uh, you interviewed Mr. Gottlieb for Jaws. What was that like? Carl Gottlieb, yeah, the co-screenwriter of the movie. That was, that was great. Carl uh, was a friend of a friend, a poker buddy of a friend. So we connected to him. We brought him into the studio. We had a great hour-long uh, conversation with him. Uh, and it was, uh, you know, to talk to someone who was there at the foundation of mm. something like that, the beginning of that, I mean— right. To get Steven Spielberg to talk about it is next to impossible, but to have Carl Gottlieb is is itself hard. But, you know, there he was telling the stories of how he was called to Martha's Vineyard at the last minute to put this <laughs> together with Spielberg. It's just some amazing kind of backroom stories about the making of this film, most of which I already knew because I had read his book and I had done some other mm. uh, research on the making, and, uh, and a few of which I had created, done a little, you know, creative, um, creative modification to, which as far as I can tell, he approved of wholeheartedly. Mm. Uh, but yes, it was a, a great honor to be able to have him in the studio. As we're talking, let me remind people, Wondery, W-O-N-D-E-R-Y.com is where you can read all about and find them and download them, the Inside Various movie series. And I just hope you keep doing them forever because they're so great. Let me uh, shift gears a little bit and talk with you about where we are. I've been doing this podcast of mine for the last two years. I absolutely love it. I love the freedom, the creativity, and the, uh, the ability to do what I've always done on radio. But where do you see the medium going in the next five years, if it's possible to anticipate. Uh, what you're doing on, on your Inside series and other things is so creative. Where do you see it all going? People talk about how it's exploding. People talk about how there's revenue. Uh, the revenue is going to be approaching a billion dollars, I guess, for the industry worldwide um, uh, within the next year, I suppose. All of it's fantastic, you know, but the, the great um, opportunity is for anybody to do pretty much anything that they want to do. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it'll get to all the years you want it to get to, but certainly the obstacles are pretty low. It's very analogous to independent film, quite frankly. Mm. Anybody can pick up a, an iPhone today and make a movie. Uh, that doesn't mean everyone will see it or it'll get to all the, uh, all the film festivals, but it certainly means you can do it. And those are opportunities that didn't exist in, in years right. gone by. So I think if you have a great idea and you have the ability to bring it to life, now is the golden age. What does it mean for radio, for traditional broadcast radio that is certainly morphing and changing with streaming and all the other things that come along with it? Where do you see radio going? Well, it, that's up to radio. <laughs> uh, I think, and I mean that. I yeah. mean, uh, there, there are scenarios which say uh, if radio were to double down in investments and talent and give people a reason to listen to something that is free and ubiquitous but no longer unique, then radio has a long lifeline ahead. If instead radio is intent on being the place where you can hear the lowest common denominator content and uh, one voice on every station across the country emanating from a laptop uh, in the bowels of a building behind a locked door in Manhattan, well, that's a different scenario. Mm -hmm. And I think it remains to be seen which path the industry is going to take. But, you know, the industry... Uh, used to be comprised of people. Now it's comprised of fewer people than ever. And uh, the people, the people who used to be in it, now have more choices themselves. Right, right. Uh, uh, you can be your own station. You can be your own talent. You can be your own distributor. You can be your own network. You get to be your own creator today. That's the beauty of it. It's not necessarily pretty. It's not necessarily profitable. 
And it may not even be fun, but it's a power that's now yours. And the power rests in audio. And I think what I love most about where we are right now is the fact that this concept of listening and using the imagination and being wrapped up in something that's not right there on a screen with all the bells and whistles is the magic. And I'm so excited to be in this business now because people who used to just poo-poo audio are now excited about it again, Mark. Well, but the reason for that is that it's always been about what's on it. Mm. And uh, we, for many years, we've kind of forgotten what made radio so compelling in the first place. Once upon a time, before television, people used to stare at that box in the living room that didn't move. And uh, why? Well, not just because that was their only source for dynamic information that wasn't the newspaper, but because it was so compelling. And I think we've lost that art, but that art is gradually being rediscovered by people who generally don't come from radio, but people who have access to a USB mic, people who have access to, you know, over-the-counter free software to record their voice, people who have access to a, an abundance of platforms that can distribute it for little to nothing and put it in front of audiences. And in some cases, it uh, changes people's lives, the oh. lives of the people who make it and the lives yeah. of the people who hear it. I want to have you talk about Media Unplugged. That is an audio podcast about the business, about the media, and it's so all-encompassing. Tell me and the audience about your Media Unplugged work. Yes, you can. Uh, Media Unplugged is a podcast that I do with uh, the uh, brand guru, Tom Asacker, and it's tons of fun. And every, uh, I don't know, two to four weeks, the schedule varies. Mm -hmm. We put together this podcast where we talk about things that are happening in media and why you should pay attention to them and rants and raves and other fun things. It's about half an hour long, and that's at mediaunplugged.net. And Tom and I have great fun doing it. One of our favorite things, one of my favorite things, for some reason, I got onto this, is what's new in, uh, in, in wax museum news. Somehow, the idea that there can still be wax museums in 2020 <laughs> never ceases to amaze me. And, and, and there's always something worth reporting about that world, which is the strangest thing. But, you know, listen to it. You may find it compelling. I love wax museums. And uh, let's get back to the, uh, the original topic, which is the series on Wondery, the inside movie series. You must be a movie guy from way back, I'm guessing. Well, movie, television, they've always been kind of an area of interest for me. But what really interests me most, and you can see that in the work, is these people who make this stuff. Because right. I kind of view it as, as, a, as a maker's story. It's an entrepreneur's story. It's a creator's story. You know, whether you're making a radio show or a podcast or a television series or a movie, you still have the same struggles. You still have the same challenges and mm -hmm. obstacles. And I think it's reinforcing that even a Steven Spielberg can barely get this thing made, can wonder that he's going to get fired because this project is just spinning utterly out of control and it's in an early phase in his career and it could very well ruin him. Even Steven Spielberg has mm. that concern. So if he can have it, then can't you? Yeah. I, I'm most happy to learn about stuff uh, bouncing off something that's very pop culture oriented. And I go back to Psycho for a minute. I've known about the Ed Gein story, but there were a lot of uh, sort of sidebar stories that I didn't know about. And you know what that podcast has done? It's gotten me to do more research. Do you find when you're hearing from folks that – they're now getting into it and doing more of their own deep dives. And is that kind of fun for people to do? 
Yeah, occasionally people will reach out to me and say, hey, can you tell me more about this particular story? And they'll reference something that, you know, may not be quite true, but was in the story. Because remember, because these are, again, these are not documentaries. Right. These are movies about the making of movies. That means there's a true, there's a, a deeper truth that we're going for here to convey. We're not looking to recount the facts of what happened in linear form, we're looking to tell a deeper truth. For example, in the case of Psycho, there was a, a, a story about uh, this director who had this you know, fabulous career by any measure, Alfred Hitchcock, who still never had anything happen to him as big as Psycho in 1960. And then spent the rest of his career, which was about 15 years now, trying to duplicate that success and never ever achieving it. Not only that, but his final film, Family Plot, in 1975, was put out in the shadow of another of another little movie by a very young, inexperienced filmmaker named Steven Spielberg. Right. And the movie was called Jaws. And this was kind of what was in the ether uh, for him uh, in the declining phase of his career. And it's what he had to deal with. And I think there's an interesting story there. What happens when you spend all your career and you make this incredible against all odds, magnificent success, and then you have to spend the rest of it trying to duplicate it. How do you deal with that? How do you cope yeah. with that? How do you find satisfaction in the midst of that? And it, that's what the series was about. Compelling. And that's the Billy Freakin story to a certain extent where he has French connection and exorcist. Uh, he's the hottest name in Hollywood for a couple of years and then has to fight his way back and uh, he's still around, but he's got those memories of the great times and what happened afterwards. I just love the series. So are you able to uh, provide us a hint as to what you're looking at next for an inside project? Well, the the, the series is going to uh, take a new form um, um, going forward and uh, it remains to be seen exactly what that form is, but it's something we're working on right now trying to nail it down and a land distribution uh, clarity and as soon as we have mm. that you'll know will you but, still uh, be appearing as our narrator as our storyteller i hope oh yeah no 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 I, I mean it, my involvement in it will be the same the question is what shape is the show going to take and right. who's going to be putting it out a show of that nature that is so complex. You said it takes weeks to just write it. It's it's so impressive. And uh, I know I sound like a fanboy here, but I just love it. And uh, I did lie. I didn't just trip over it. I did a search for movie podcasts and yours came up. <laughs> that's what I just remembered. Well, that's good. Uh, no, good. I, SEO, SEO is working. That's true. It's definitely working. And you've got so many other things going on. Uh, what's the best way for people to find out more about just you, Mark Ramsey? Well, I've got all the, the shows that uh, Jeff and I have worked on together at markramsey.tv. Uh, you can see uh, uh, all the panels for all the various shows, including the one we did with Ed O'Neill last year mm -hmm. from Modern Family. And we're working on one now that's not on the page yet that features uh, David Harbour and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. So all kinds mm -hmm. of crazy stuff going on now. Two guys from two uh, cult favorites, right? Walking Dead right. and uh, Stranger Things. Uh, by the way, That's one right. more thing. Broadcast Film Critics Association, it's in your bio. You're on the board, and they produce the Critics' Choice Movie Awards and TV Awards. Got to ask somebody who's in this business, what's wrong with the Oscars and how can we fix them? <laughs> I don't know. I kind of I kind of like the Oscars this year. Uh, the first half hour I thought was tremendously strong, but remember the first half hour had almost no awards in it. <laughs> So, I think we I mean, need a, a host. Point, don't, don't we need one person to no, sort of guide no, us? No, no, no. Oh, you're not a believer in that. Huh? No, absolutely not. People are just <laughs> throwing that out there. 
I mean, I will say the Critics' Choice Awards as a host, but I don't think the show rises or falls based on that host unless the host brings something specific to the show. And remember that over the years, these hosts have generally gradually disappeared as the as the show went on. True. And here you have in the first half hour of the Oscars, you have Steve Martin, uh, you have Chris Rock, and you have Janelle Monet doing that just amazing opening uh, uh, song and dance number that I thought was just through the roof. Um, that's a great show. It's too bad you have to give awards during it. <laughs> well, the ratings keep going down uh, for the last several years. I don't know. I, I maybe shorten it up a little bit uh, and bring back Bob Hope. It's not going to happen. I know that. Anyway, wow. <laughs> I'm just dating myself. <laughs> or Johnny Carson or somebody of that nature. You're they still don't dating ex- yourself. I am. I'm, I'm, I do a lot of that. It's been a joy to connect with you, sir, and I really appreciate the work you have done and the work your your sound design people have done on Inside Movies. Uh, fantastic. And I can't wait for whatever's coming next. So thanks for joining us, and uh, God bless. Uh, Jordan, thank you so much for having me, and thanks for listening to the content, and I hope everybody else gives it a listen, too. If you're a movie nut as I am, make the deep dive to the Inside series, Inside Psycho, Inside Jaws, Inside Star Wars, and more. Go to Wondery.com, W-O-N-D-E-R-Y.com. Also check out MarkRamseyMedia.com for updates on where Mark is at. He's a very busy guy, and I really appreciate him stopping by. And I appreciate you stopping by and being part of our growing podcast family around the world. To reach me, Jordan at ChartProductions.com, on Twitter at JordanWBZ, and we are, of course, on Facebook at The Jordan Rich Show. Till next time, be well so you can do good. Take care.